This call is now being recorded. Here we go. <coughs> okay, excuse me. Jeez. Welcome to Kid Missing Radio. I'm your host, Angelina Wilson. Today, I am with the mother of Jessie Foster. Her name is Glendine Grant. She is the true definition of a mama bear. Mm-hmm. Relentless and loving in her search. <clears throat> Whoops. Thank you so much for having me, Angelina. You're I very really welcome. And I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I'm really sorry that your first podcast that we did back on Blog Talk got deleted. Oh, I know. Oh, well, that just gives us an opportunity to, to have another one, another chance. So that's, a, you know, worked out. Yep. But it is a sad thing the 15th, when they take things down. Yeah. The 15th anniversary of Jesse's disappearance is coming up. Yes, on March 29th, Jesse will have been missing for 15 years. And, gosh, I can't even believe it's been that long. It um, Time really does fly. It does fly, and it takes a bit of a toll on you, that's for sure. I can't even imagine. <coughs> now, you have two other daughters, right? I have three other daughters. Um, one older three sister of Jesse's and two younger. Yeah. I, um, Crystal has got the same dad as Jesse, and she lives in Calgary. And now Crystal and Jesse's dad just passed away last August. So unfortunately, right, I don't remember you telling me that. She's, yeah, right. And now she's dealing with all that out in Calgary by herself because with Jesse missing and the rest of us here in Kamloops, it, it, and, and, and of course, you know, this is right in the middle of COVID that the poor man passed away. Uh, we did go out there once, but, um, because we're in different provinces, there's definitely, um, they're not allowing it, and it's for emergencies only. And right. no, things are getting better, obviously, and we will go back and see her again. But it, uh, when we went out there last August, it was a, a very fast. What the heck is an emergency if somebody died isn't an emergency? <laughs> That's I I do agree, right? But I think they more or less thought um, immediate family. <laughs> and yeah. because he's my ex-husband, um, but yeah, you know, it's it was a bit of a different story because with Jesse missing and Crystal there, you know, doing it, you know, on her own. I mean, yes, she's got a boyfriend, but it's, you know, the family part of it wasn't there. So, um, it, it was, it's definitely been a rough past. Yeah, and you and him were close. I remember you telling me before that he worked with you. Oh, he did, yes. Um, you know, we had our ups and downs early on, like any couple that splits up with a couple kids. But over the years, I got along tremendously with his ex-wife, who's, um, they've been separated about four years now. I got along, still get along really well with her. And um, it was just the normal things that a couple might argue about when they're not a couple and they have children. But yeah. uh, the minute that Jesse went <laughs> You know, there was nothing for us to have any, you know, any disagreements about. He basically told the PI and anybody that would listen that I was a spokesperson for our families. And um, and that was just the role that I took. He, uh, Him and I have complete different takes on Jesse's disappearance. He's all, He mm-hmm. always believed that she um, passed away, and I have never believed that. So... Um, I did say one thing after he passed away, and I looked up to the heavens, and I said, you know, is she there? But, uh, you know, there was no answer, so, you know, you never know, right? Um, but, yeah, he, well, either he was, way, um, Either way, he now knows the answers. That's exactly what I said. We might not know yet, but he definitely knows now, and uh, and it was very hard on him, and that would be, I'm sure, part of the reason why... You know, at 60 years old, uh, the poor dear man died of a heart attack. You know, there was just the weight on him was just too great, and um, a broken heart, very much broken hearted. You know, and then I'll finish about my other kids. I do have two younger daughters um, that live here in Kamloops. My husband's um, their dad. My husband now. He, we've been together, gosh, over 30 years, and mm. uh, over 35 years, I guess. And um, <laughs> it's hard when you keep track because we have. Um, 
our date that we met and our date that we started living together, and then we have our actual wedding date. So it's hard to, for me to remember how many years were we together. <laughs> uh, but, um, <laughs> yeah, because we got married just a few years ago. Yeah, so yeah, 2013. So it's definitely you know it's coming up now in eight years, which feels like a long time on its yeah. own. But like I say, we've been together much longer than that. Yeah. Oh, I know people like that. I know a couple that had three kids. He asked her to marry him numerous times. She wouldn't do it. She wouldn't do it. She finally did it. They've been together for almost 40 years, but they've only been married for like 30, maybe. That's a sweet story. Yeah, I always had this uh, a little response when people go, oh, you waited a long time to get married. And I'm like, yeah, I wanted my grandchildren to attend it. But, you know, that's just my little silliness. And, and they truly that's did. Funny. Every one of them were there. That's cool. But, yeah, so that's my little family. I have four kids. And then my two younger kids have um, children. So I'm a grandmother four times over also. And I'm sure that they keep Auntie Jessie alive for them. Oh, goodness sakes, yes. they Those kids know Auntie Jessie in their hearts just as well as they know their other aunties in person. You know, and a and now that Auntie Crystal oh, has wonderful. been in Calgary for the last four years or three years, it's you know it's they don't get to see her either, so it it's a little easier for them to yeah. um, to put it together. I think they are getting much older now. You know, like um, my oldest is my oldest grandchild is thirteen years old. So wow, the problem line is that you know the moment that um, that Matt was born, Jesse had been missing for. You know, we were going on our second year, and it really helped to bring our heads together, I guess, so to speak. Uh, for my own personal journey with that was I could be um, as normal as I can be of a grandmother, or I could be a crazy grandmother, and I chose <laughs> to want my grandkids to not be afraid to ask me questions or to always be worrying that they will say something that might make me cry. So I chose at that moment to, um, you know, introduce Jesse to them just as anyone else um, and mm-hmm. um, to keep her alive in all of her hearts. And it, it made a big difference for me. Um, and Jesse was a beautiful girl. She had hazel eyes, blonde hair. She was five foot six and weighed 125 pounds. Now I understand her dad put up his house to get a reward. Yes, he did. At one point, we had a $50,000 reward, and the reward fund became was coming out of the equity in his home. And so I've put disclaimers out now because of um, his death and everything in, you know, up in the air right now. Nothing's been settled. And if, if there was to be somebody who, you know, gave us the tip that found Jesse, I would literally have to start a GoFundMe account right now to um, to get that reward if they insisted. Oh. But something tells my heart that if somebody discovered a missing person, they wouldn't just do it for the reward. Um, but, you know, that's, it's been said that there's a reward, and we will honor it in any way that we can. And um, Well, it's certainly understandable. He did. You know. Yes. Right. We can only – we could have only done that immediately – um, you know, with with Dwight's help, he's the only person that could have done that. For mm. those not, yeah. For those not familiar with Canada, <coughs> excuse me. Cam Loops is in British Columbia, which is way on the west coast. Yes. Think Washington State, that area, and Alberta is kind of over in the middle. So well, Alberta is our continent over. They're not that far away. We're we're one province oh. apart, and um, the drive. Oh, if you okay. were to drive it's Alberta, then Minnesota. Okay. Yeah. I I was thinking. But what that you was may be thinking, Angelina, is that Jesse's dad is from Nova Scotia, and that is completely across the country. And oh, yeah, Nova Scotia is up by Maine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly, and that's across the country. That, that no, I was the, thinking um, Calgary was close to halfway. Because I was no, thinking not, that one of the territories or something was in between, like the Yukon Territory or something was in between. Yeah, but uh, all of our territories are um, 
way up north, and then provinces huh. run straight across the line. And um, we don't have any, um, right, it's, like every, every one of our provinces all the way across till you get to the eastern provinces, because we don't have provinces north of our provinces. We have territories. Right. You have um, BC, Alberta, Manitoba, Ontario, Quebec, and then Mass. Yeah, it goes BC, and it goes Alberta, Saskatchewan, um, Manitoba, Ontario, yeah, and then Quebec. And then all of our little eastern provinces, which are smaller, you know, like uh, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, uh, New Brunswick. Right. um, Well, Newfoundland, I'm not sure. And... um, I'm sure I missed one of them. But, um, yeah, so, you know, we, we are... Um, well, Prince Edward Island. For a wide <laughs> country, but we're small yeah. populated. Compared to your country, you guys yes. probably have as many people in one large city as we do countrywide. Um, to say That's that true. That's true. Yeah. I don't know if people realize that or not. You're the second largest country to Russia land-wise. But population-wise, uh, nowhere near. Not... <laughs> no, no, not even close. When um, but you're seeing the amount of people in the United States. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Exactly. No, no, that's actually <clears throat> good to get us back on track. Um, Jesse did. She was taken on a couple of trips down to the United States, and on the second trip, she was taken to Las Vegas, and um, you know, she kept in touch with us from Las Vegas for ten months. And in between the time of her getting there and going missing, she did come back to Kamloops and actually went to Calgary also one time, and that was Christmas of 2005. So after she got to uh, Las Vegas in May of 2005, and then she came home in December of 2005, and um, in our opinions, we thought she was home. We didn't know. We didn't think she was just coming home for Christmas. We thought she was home. There was many phone calls to this person that she had been involved with down there and um and, and most of them were arguments. So that led us to believe <coughs> it was over, that she had no interest in going back to that kind of a relationship. And um but what we didn't know then was that Jesse was a victim and that wasn't an actual um fiance, she thought it was, but he was a trafficker and he had invested a lot in Jesse and so she he made her come home and she left Kamloops two o'clock in the afternoon on Christmas Day two thousand and five and we've never seen her again and then March twenty ninth, two thousand and six, Jesse went missing. And uh, it wasn't until after that we realized everything. You know, like I say, when she was here, I just thought she was breaking up with, you know, a boyfriend that she, you know, fought with constantly. They yelled and swore at each other, you know, on every phone call. And um, Peter Todd. And Peter Todd's his name, exactly. That that was the person that when Jesse was taken to Las Vegas and the the people that took her there, the person that took her there left, um, she was left in the clutches of a couple. And that couple then took her to Peter Todd, and that's where she was um, housed until she went missing. Um, at one point, yeah. her job was yeah. broken. She was arrested twice and um, charged with solicitation of prostitution. And um, oh. my, you know, I do have a lot of opinions about that. But for the most part, um, what I believe is you, everybody assumes that um, she chose to go there. And everybody assumes that she chose to prostitute. But what I would like to know from everybody who thinks that is, who do you know that has to be um, beaten to do a job that they're choosing? So, you know, contrary to what a lot of people have said, Jesse did not choose to do that. She did not choose to be taken to Las Vegas, nor did she choose to be a prostitute. And she did not go missing willingly. And those are things that... There's nobody in this world, um, other than Jesse herself, that convinced me that I'm wrong about that. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Um, Unfortunately, police have a hard time looking for people that are prostitutes. You know, I think about, I can't remember her name now, but the girl from Long Island that they refused and refused. Oh, Shannon. 
They refused and refused to look for yeah. her. When they found her, they still wouldn't accept that the serial killer killed her. Exactly. Even though she was found amongst 11 other bodies. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, the police jumped to conclusions. They they assumed that Jesse chose to go to their city and be a prostitute, so she got what she deserved. They assumed that Shannon had no a mental breakdown involved. and just chose yeah. to run through the field, losing clothing along the way. Um but the thing is, what they what they should do is their jobs. They should be able to check their egos and their opinions at the door, and they should enter a crime scene with a blank slate. They should look at right. all the evidence. They should not be able to say, well, because she did this, this is probably what happened. Or, you know, because, you know, in, in a case of a couple, well, they always, you know, check out the husband first. That's great. Let's do eliminations, but let's not do accusations right out of the gate because then you don't get the proper um, support that you deserve or that that your victim, your daughter, your friend, you you know, deserves. And because the opinions and gosh, with with the way the Internet is these days and with cancel culture so strong they are, it just takes one person to say something wrong and have everybody pounce on it and the next thing you know you've got no support for a person who has gone missing through no fault of their own and and I might add going uh, missing through no fault of their own includes even if somebody chooses to go to, um, and be a prostitute it still isn't choosing to go missing so no there's still not you know, there's, choosing there's to be killed and left naked on the side of the road somewhere which a lot of exactly. them have been. I you know, have nothing to have... no humans involved, and and that's just wrong. Yeah, it's they sad be because hot better. I believe that there's. I can't think of more than two reasons why anybody, man or woman, would prostitute themselves, and there sh- there will be little sub um, reasons, but the two real reasons are. You are being forced to do it, or you have to do it because you have no way to pay your rent, your bills, feed your kids, or feed yourself. Now you might well, there is a, a third option. Choose to do it because you're drugs. a drug addict, and then right. you, well, but then you're still the drug is making you do it. Right. So I still don't look at that as a full fledged choice, and I also look at it as um, because I have a little bit of a different opinion of. Uh, of addicts, I don't look uh, at addicts as um, low-life scums and, oh, they should have made a better choice. I look at them and say, what in the world happened to you in your life that you allowed yourself to make so many wrong choices that you, this is where you ended up? I don't mm-hmm. think that I agree with that. drug addict needs to be punished. I think they need to be rehabilitated in, you know, through the drugs and get help because a lot of uh, people have very awful upbringings. You know, girls and boys were beaten, girls were raped, and boys were molested. Like, it's not everyone. A lot of addicts just made the wrong choice. They pick up that crack pipe once, and their perfect upbringing is shot all to heck because the drugs win. So I don't look at a drug addict feeding their habit as somebody just willy-nilly being a prostitute. I look at it as um, kind of halfway, like they have to do it so that they can support their habit just like they have to pay the rent. And I also look yep. at it as um, the drug is forcing them to do it just like a pimp is. Yes. If the drug wasn't there, they wouldn't be doing it. And, and the drug is making if, them do it. Have Jesse used any drugs? Up until the moment that Jesse went missing, I have, there was no doubt she never did drugs. I don't even believe she, I, I do believe she might have smoked marijuana when she was younger, but she did not have the, um, the social group where they partook in marijuana. You know, I have other daughters who have. I have, you know, two who, who have and two who haven't. And they, you gravitate to the same types of people you are. If you are right. not a pot smoker, then you're not going to hang around with everybody who is. And vice versa. So exactly. I, I know that, you know, her friends, they were more into the um, 
getting their makeup done and their hair done and getting all this stuff. Going <laughs> she looks like that kind of girl. And she was definitely yes. Yeah, she and, and all of her friends. They're the yeah. beautiful girls, you know. And yeah, but that doesn't mean that drugs weren't forced on her if she was um, being held somewhere against her will. And it also doesn't mean that if given the option as a victim of this horrible crime, she didn't say yes if it was offered just to numb the pain. So it, it's, mm. it's a hard thing to say if she ever did after, but she did not before. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's true. That's why a lot of people get into drugs to numb either emotional pain or physical pain because the doctor kept feeding it to them and then all of a sudden the spider cut off. Yeah, exactly. That's another thing, too. I mean, and to be honest, you know, Crystal and Jesse's dad went through a similar situation like that where he got hurt at work and he was put on the drugs to numb the pain as much as they could. And then they're like, okay, time is it. Now you're cut off. But he was still in a lot of pain. And he suffered greatly. And, you know, that's what, and you know, one of the reasons why he didn't work in the last decade or so of his life after Jesse went missing uh, was because he had been so gravely injured um, on the job. And um, and you could see it in people who have been given a painkiller and just like anything, it doesn't matter what, it could be aspirin. One aspirin might work for a couple of times, but pretty soon you might need two. Mm. Same with yeah, the I, until pretty mm. soon you are taking so many and it's still not working. And then they cut you off. And now you're not only in pain, you're addicted. So it's, it's yep. a horrible, horrible cycle. Well, that's why I was terrible as far as that kind of medication goes. I would only take, I swear I would only take one or two a month because they gave it to me because I need a hip replacement. And that is just agonizing pain. Yes. Um, but I would only take it once or twice a month and I would have a whole bottle left after it expired and had to drop it off at the police station. But they stopped giving it to me and they knew I wasn't abusing it. In fact, I went to the hospital with an infection in my mouth. And instead of giving me something for the pain until the antibiotics kicked in, they gave me pamphlets for drug rehab. Really? Oh, isn't that silly? Look at my chart. Right. And so no, I hear you. Pancreatitis. Um, I wouldn't even take those drugs from you. <laughs> yeah. My girlfriend and I are just it's, looking it's, at each other. That's another. Okay. That's another thing that um, same type of situation where the police automatically assume that the person has um, deserved to go missing. If somebody is assuming that someone else is, is a specific way without knowing anything, I'm, I mean, we just have to stop judging people. There, right. there was a time when. You know, women who were prostitutes on the street corners, and we would see them, um, they were ridiculed and made fun of. And now, in this day and age, we know that the majority of those women are being beaten to stand there. Otherwise, why would they, in in skimpy clothing, in freezing cold weather, with, with you know, stilettos yeah. on? Like, there's, that's not, they're, they're not stupid women. And no, some of them it's are just now we smart. see things through different eyes. Yeah, and and it's a sad case to see um, that as a society, many people have have come to where they understand that there's still obviously people who will you know bully them and mimic them and make fun of them. But for the most part, a lot of people, a lot of adults understand you know that there's a reason why people do things that are not safe for them or you know uh, doing any yeah. good for them you know, physically at all. And uh and it's a sad story when you can't get right. that story across to other people. They just don't they just won't accept it that everybody Yeah. They think everybody makes all the bad choices that they make and that they deserve to be where they are and that's just not true. Um now did they find her cell phone? Did they try to ping it? None of that was ever done. Her phone was never found. And um, everything that Jesse had went missing when Jesse went missing, except oh, for wow. her uh, her hair dryer, uh, triple barrel curling iron, and all of her toiletries and makeup stuff. So there was nothing. There wasn't any um, running shoes. There was no 
you know, clothing, nothing. Um, it's and weird that, was, that her beauty it, stuff would be left behind, considering what you but said. It, it, it actually isn't weird at all. It, it was one of the, in my opinion, it was the first greatest clue that told me she was taken because if she had a left on her own, she would have taken those things. Um, right. You know, like I said, they, she took all of, you know, all of her shoes were missing, all of her everything. But I believe Jessie would have grabbed the makeup bag first before she would have grabbed, you know, an extra pair of running shoes. So uh, even if it was her leaving in a hurry, there was no um, tidbits of things left behind that you might. It was the way that Peter Todd explained to me, is that uh, he came home and Jessie was gone and so was everything she had except her hair dryer and makeup. And that's when I said call the police. Because if she took everything except her hair dryer and her makeup, then there's something, something's wrong. And Did, you, um, did he or? Probably not. He told me to and I tried, oh. but they wouldn't let me because I was in Canada. So they told me oh. he had to because she lived and then he told me he did, but it turned out that he actually didn't. And it was kind of a weird, a weird little runaround. Uh, I called him and I said, you have to report her missing because she lives with you and you were the last one to see her. And then he called me back and he told me that he had called and reported her missing and that there, he gave me a number of, um, he told me of a police chief that wanted me to phone him. And so I did, and I dialed that number numerous times over and over and kept leaving a message. And um, and after not receiving a message, you know, for like two days, and I just Googled the number to the Las Vegas police, and I called the number that came on my screen, and it was probably one of the few very helpful people throughout all of this. And, and not that she could do much, but at least she directed me. Um, properly she had um she first of all i told her the number i told her the story what was happening then i gave her the number that i was told to call and then she told me when she looked it up that number actually was a fire chief's phone number and that that fire chief wasn't he didn't even he retired so his phone wasn't even being monitored no one was even answering it and so i don't even know how or whatever became of that or how we got that number but then she um, then she said, well, I'll take your daughter's missing person's case, um, report. And so she asked me for the address. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. Um, well, then I gave her the address I had. I had, when Jessie was here, she forgot a retainer, so I mailed it down to her. And it, the address was on Rainbow Boulevard. And when I gave her that address, she goes, oh, and that's not an actual address. That's a mail drop address for people who don't want to use a post office box. It looks like somebody's house number. So she said, so you're going to need to get the actual house address. So I hung out from her, and I called Peter Todd back. And I, I remember this phone call, you know, with every fiber of my being. I said, uh, I need your address. And he says, 10, why? <laughs> and I said, because they need your address if I'm filing a missing persons report. And he went, oh, uh, 1005 Cornerstone Place. I said, thank you, and I hung up. I phoned that lady back, and I told her, 1005 Cornerstone Place. She goes, oh. She says, well, I'm sorry to tell you, but that's in North Las Vegas, so you're going to have to call the North Las Vegas. North and Las Vegas. in North Las Vegas. And, um, you know, something that he neglected to tell me, uh, obviously, and he knew damn well that it was not a Las Vegas address. So uh, even though but he, he had, had to know, of course. Oh, definitely he knew. So then I had to hang up, and then I called North Las Vegas, which was the beginning of the biggest joke of my oh. life. So, oh. so yeah, and that that was how the the only help I really got from any. So they weren't particularly helpful. No, I mean I I actually got a little more oh. help a year, like a, last May, from a Henderson Nevada ah. police officer uh, than I have with anything else. So I don't even know how to. Um, no. Is someone calling us? No. No, it was the pharmacy, but it was um it didn't work. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> that was the phone behind me. I think, oh, I must have that was the house phone behind me. 
Oh, goodness sakes. Okay. Yeah, so it I'm was so uh, it, it's just a, a big um it's been a big run around with the North Las Vegas police. I have nothing good to say about them. As a matter of fact, I call myself the lead investigator on Jesse's case and I have ever since she's been missing. Is Canada helping at all? Like are, are they cooperating with the US or um well, they did, you know, what they could, but she didn't go missing from here, so there wasn't a lot. But we've had, um, I mean, they they took our, you know, my DNA and, and Dwight's DNA in Calgary and, and sent it to the University of, of North, oh, my goodness, Carolina. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. But anyways, that's where they do a lot of DNA um, for crime um, analysis. And, um and but you know as far as like you know moral support and stuff, I would say not really. I mean, Crime Stoppers here in Kamloops was phenomenal. I actually worked with them, um, giving speeches all over the interior of BC and all the high schools and even some junior high and a couple of elementary schools um, that had had issues happen where the kids became aware of human trafficking at younger ages and needed to be explained so that they didn't you know, take it. Yeah, right, kids, kids can take things that. in a way and they can internalize it and they can turn them into just be so fearful of things or, or anything. It doesn't necessarily, you know, it, yes, it's a bad thing, but they they have to learn to oh, to in, figure it out, yeah. I guess. But um, and that worked very well. But uh, a couple of years ago, the um, head of the Kamloops and District Crime Stoppers, um, his, his position and all positions were shut down and Crime Stoppers started being run by the provinces and the RCMP and not by oh. the Crime Stoppers nonprofit organization. So it changed greatly. And, uh, you know, and I did see many times when we had our initial website and we could check IP addresses, we did see the IP addresses of the police RCMP head office in Ottawa. We're, we're kind of tracking to see what was going on with this case. But they weren't doing it through calling us. They were doing it through our website and just reading updates. So, but you know, right. um, if you just look for the good and everything, you know, at least it was better than nothing. Right. And your website is jessiefoster.blogspot.com, right? That's well. That is my blog. My blog. But I have, for the last several years, just been using Facebook um, for several things. I have my Glendine Grant Facebook page. I have my Missing Jesse Foster Facebook page. And then um, 11 years ago, I started Mothers Against Trafficking Humans. So it's math. Right. Math. And those are all on Facebook. As far as the blog, it hasn't been updated. But, you know, if, I, if I'm honest, there hasn't been a lot to update. You know, the, the news is always the same and she's still missing mm-hmm. and hasn't been found and a lot of people are supporting us but um but what it does have is everything from the beginning it, we've got all of our news articles every um update that we had back in the past and, and everything so it, it's definitely right, I'll add both links to um the show for sure and i'll add oh. the math link too yes math and then missing jesse foster like missing jesse is one word Foster is the second. Yeah. So, and the only that was from back when it was a page, uh, like a personal profile page. But at some point, Facebook had me separated into a page and not a profile. So we had to make Missing Jesse ah. one word. So it's a little awkward, but it, it you'll still find it. So, yes. Now, so have, I know that, yeah, that part of the reason that the thing that alarmed you guys, my understanding is one of her sisters was having a wedding reception and she didn't come home. And yeah, that that's sort of, the that's alarm. part of it. Yeah, no, that's, that's not, that's part of it. Um, but the, the, the actual thing was, um, when Jesse, at the time that Jesse went missing, <clears throat> excuse me, um, her, her dad, stepmom and two stepsisters and family, were in Mexico, the oldest stepsister was getting married. And they were going to hold the wedding reception in Calgary when they got back. And um, Crystal, my oldest daughter, was going down to Las Vegas 
for a just a fun-filled weekend. Jesse was going to host her and escort her all over and show her, you know, all the sights and stuff as a uh, as a now ten month resident would know. You know, she'd been living there for some time and she knew her way around Las Vegas. So they've been planning that for a couple of weeks. And then when Crystal's uh, visit was over, Crystal and Jesse were going to come back together. And then they were going to take Jesse's car. Now, Jesse's car had been parked in our yard the whole time she'd been gone. Mm-hmm. And um, a few days before Jesse went missing, actually, I should say a few days after Jesse went missing, we got um, some mail for her. Yes, I did open it. It was from her insurance yep. company, and it was for a one-month insurance um, tag for her car for when she came back with Crystal. And it literally cost her almost $200 just for one month of insurance. And Ouch. that explained that that's a lot of money, especially 15 years ago. And so yeah. what happened was, that um, yeah, so what happened was she ended up um, um, going missing before Crystal went there. <clears throat> and the only thing that, I, I mean, if you add things up in your head, you know that, they weren't going to let her leave a second time. The first time she left, they fought on the phone for the whole time she was here. And, you know, who so only forced her to go back? He did. But I think that they knew that she was strong enough now that they weren't going to get her back if she got away a second time. And they disappeared her before her sister was coming yeah. down. And then that would, you know... Then what? Then she'd have to get on that plane with Crystal and come back to Canada, and then she'd never go back. Um, so, yeah, so what you mentioned about the wedding reception was correct, as f- but not that she just didn't show up to it, and that's what it was. But what did happen was Crystal did end up going, and everybody had it, but it was quite a bit more somber than it could have been, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's not like everything focused on Jesse's disappearance. It was the wedding reception, and everybody really enjoyed themselves. But, you know, there was the moment where, you know, it w- it would have been noticeable that, you know, she's got two stepsisters, and one of them wasn't there, you know. Um, mm. One newspaper did blow it on their proportion and say, you know, utter gloom at wedding reception or something like that. And, you know, that, that wasn't true. It wasn't, you know. Um, and to tell you the truth, be- probably because, I believe Jessie's um, not dead, and I'm saddened that she's missing, but we have managed to be able to uh, kind of pick up the pieces that were left and, you know, carry on. It might have been a slow go at first. But yeah, traffickers do move people. They do. They move people, but I'm talking about us as a family having yeah. you learn how to deal with with her being missing I mean, we had, a, you know, obviously there's two options. One is live in total despair and have no semblance of a life after, or the other one is to pick up your pieces and carry on as well as you can. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple of things I had to worry about, and um, one was my, my other daughters and then my grandchildren as they started being born. And so I decided to take charge of Jesse's case, not just as the spokesperson to the case, but um, unless I needed them to look at a picture because somebody thought this looked like Jesse or unless I needed to run things by them, I didn't fill them in on a daily basis and I didn't chit chat with them about every little thing that came my way. Um, they were young and they were starting to have children and getting married and, you know, living their lives barely into their 20s. Jesse went missing. My youngest daughter was 16. My second youngest daughter was 18. Jesse was 21 and Crystal was 22. So they were all very young women. And um, so I really wanted them to, um, well, I guess also me, I, I really didn't want me to lose four daughters. I wanted at least my three daughters to um, carry on, uh, be happy and healthy and good mothers and good employees and good friends to everybody, good sisters to each other, and yeah. we have managed to do that. Uh, we're very close, almost too close. It's like it, 
geez, I would have thought that I'd be sitting around waiting for phone calls from my kids at this age, but I can't get rid of them anymore. Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you that the intimate details of our life in Kamloops, like I say, Crystal and her boyfriend, Aaron, they live in Calgary. They live in Dwight's house. Um, you know, because obviously he's passed away and that's her house now. Um, my, um, and then that leaves my two youngest daughters. Now, my oldest of the two youngest is Katie, and she's married and has a son. My grandson, Jacobus, he's 12 years old. They live in Wogan Lake. It's a, about a 40-minute, 40 45-minute commute to Kamloops. They come in every day. Both parents work in town, and Jacobus goes to school here. They come here every morning, and then they come here every afternoon. And then they come in on weekends, and this is their home base. They have keys to the house. They, they come and go as they please here. And um, But in this house, there's my husband and I and my youngest daughter, Jenny, and her hubby, and there's three kids. So we have seven people living in this house, one Ooh, dog and one cat. House. It's a huge house, 3,500 square feet, five wow. bedrooms, huge rec room, sunroom. Um, there's a deck. Um, there's a front porch. There's a shop. There's a shed huge huge yard it's a wonderful place we are very comfortable here we all fit here um it's big enough that you can you know you don't have to hear everybody's conversations and unless somebody's making extra loud noise you don't hear i don't hear washers and dryers running at any hour and neither does anyone else and and it's a we like it here we're on the end of a cul-de-sac we're close to a school we're close to work we're close to everything that we need and the fact that my other daughter here in Kamloops and her family come all the time. It's um, it makes it even more special because we're not all cramped. Um, we we have uh, suppers together every night. We don't no, that's, say because that's the it, it's wonderful. Up with each other, they are, and and then my kids are um, able to. You know, they don't need babies. They've never needed a babysitter or a daycare provider. Well, I guess that's a little exaggerated. My my daughter Katie did have Jacobus in a preschool and there has been preschools, but as far as needing a babysitter so they could work every day, that's been my husband and mine's job the entire lives of the kids. And they're grown up to the point where now the youngest is eight and that they're almost going to not even need a sitter for any of them pretty soon. And um, so, you know, we refuse to allow them to have to pay half a salary and, or more in um, in daycare just so yeah, that they could go up and take the wages that they make. And we wouldn't have it. So so we did. You know, I mean, we have the kind of house where, you know, my husband and I, we are separate financially, and they are separate financially, and we split bills. But if if I ran to the store and grabbed some groceries, I wouldn't say, oh, hey, you owe me $80. I spent yeah. 160 today. We don't do that. Exactly. Nobody counts it's whatever I'm and they love it because I love grocery shopping and I'm always looking for deals and I'm always puttering around I'm <laughs> not so much now because of COVID but you know that's always been yeah. my position and we don't mind it um, we have a lot of dinners together with our other daughter um, and their family and you know, yeah, sometimes my mother we cook and I share dinner. our home and we split everything down the middle and and you know that's exactly we we Split everything down the middle, even though there's the two of us and the five of them. We don't think kids should have to pay rent. <laughs> so we're not expecting right. the parents to pay extra because they have three kids. That's that's not how we we split. The rent is split in half. The hydro and the gas are split in half. And, um, you know, we pay a little extra here. They pay for the um, they pay the Internet. You know, it just and it works. And we never yep. worry about if we're going to, ha- you know, have something like you know there's enough of us adults in this house that if we need bread somebody's grabbing bread you know and and it's working and my grandkids don't think it's weird that they've been raised living with grandma and grandpa because before this house of three years that we've been here we had a house where it was an upper lower duplex and my husband and I lived upstairs and my daughter and her hubby and the three kids lived downstairs and so even though in that place, we all had, you know, our own locks on our doors, and we had our own separate kitchens. We still shared the same house, the same yard. You know, we were always there. If they had extra laundry, they'd just bring some up and wash two washers at the same time. It was, it was just one big house. And yeah, so when we, we found this house, <laughs> plenty of laundry. <laughs> and, 
Lots and lots of laundry. Yeah, so when we found this house, so the, well, when we were starting to move, we looked and we sat down and we said, are we going to separate in our living arrangement or are we going to stick together? Because we're probably not going to find another side-by-side or upper-lower duplex. And then this house came available and we're all like, Perfect. yeah, okay, this is it. It's huge. The yard's huge. The house is huge. The landlord is, they're great. And they were, they're also business owners in towns and they have other houses. And so you kind of got to look at, um, they, they respect their reputation. And the, so they're not going to treat us awful if they've got, you know, they've got a business to protect. They're not going to have tenants and treat tenants horribly and have them go public with it. And I think it's kind of the same way with us. It's like, you know what? Our family is very well known. I'm pretty sure that they feel a little bit of security knowing that I'm not going to, um, you know, screw them over in any way, shape, or form when he knows exactly who we are and all about our entire family and that we're very public. And so those two things that we have in our own separate lives really kind of, I think, made us great tenant-landlord um, combination. Because, you know, we moved in here oh, with a one-year lease. Oh, you're renting a place that big. Wow. Oh, we only rent. Yes. We sold our house in 2012 after my dad passed away. And um, we did a wow. rent-to-own after that for two years. But it turned out that we were being scammed because oh. the person we were renting to own from had lost the house to the bank. <laughs> So oh, we no. weren't really supposed to be there, but then the bank owner, the bank manager, and his wife drove up from Vancouver to meet us. Um, fell in love with us and just offered to rent the place to us until it sold, which turned out to be another year. Um, but they loved us so much, and we told them everything, all about Jesse, mm-hmm. all about our lives. They knew everything about mm-hmm. us. And he knew that I did human trafficking conferences and I gave talks on, you know, awareness. And he told me about this um, this gentleman down in Vancouver who had rented one of his buildings. They were having a fundraiser to raise what was a fashion show. He was a fashion designer. And they were raising money for human trafficking survivors um, through the uh, Salvation Army. And so he said, oh, I'm wow. going to tell this story about you. And I'm like, please do. And he did, and um, well, wouldn't you know? Uh, I ended up giving a speech at that exact event two weeks later. <laughs> so, so wow. it's amazing that's, how things happen, right? That's well, good and you know, we got there. a we got screwed over by the old guy. He thought he was pulling a fast one, taking our money. The bank let us live there until the house sold, and then we found that house that was upper lower duplex, and now we're in this house. It's almost like, you know, our our path is being yep. maybe not paved. It might still be a little bumpy and gravelly, but at least we we have a path that we're going down, and we're not fumbling and trying to figure out how we're all going to stay together and and where we're going to live. It, it's just been one yeah tragedy turning into something positive after another. You know, I mean, even and I don't even mm-hmm. mean one tragedy after another, but you know. Because not always do things, um, you know, work out. And especially we are in a very um, – rentals in where in Camelot, where I live, are very hard to come by. They're super expensive. I mean, you're looking at places that, you know, you, a one-bedroom apartment that's, you know, $1,800. And, uh, Yikes. That's even more – our one-bedroom's average about a grand. Well, and we pay um, – our last house that we had that was two – Two three-bedroom duplexes, right, upper and lower. They were 1100 each, so it was 2200 for the house. And when we rented it, we, we rented it as the house. Like, the landlord knew immediately that we wanted upper lower, and it was one family, and we were taking the whole house, right? But then that house ended up going up for sale, and then when we moved into this house, it was also $2,200 a month. So it worked out perfect. It was the same rent. Uh, since then, yeah. we've got a $60 rent increase. But you know, I'm still seeing five bedroom houses going, you know, for twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven hundred dollars. And um Wow. 
we, we, we don't really know what we'll do because if it turns out that we ever have to separate, um, I cringe because my husband and I can move into a bachelor suite if we need to. My daughter and son-in-law have three children, a dog, and a cat. Yeah. What are they going to do? A lot of places what don't they pay for a place. What are, where are they going to? I have discovered that more places will take dogs than will take cats. <laughs> yeah, and and that's mm-hmm. just it, and that's just how it is, and you know what, and. Well, you know, there were ups and downs in the beginning, but the bottom line is we're family. We've got enough of a tragedy that's kind of hanging over us that we don't need to have every other little thing be a pain in the butt. So, um, No, I I understand that. Really well with my sons-in-laws. My daughters and I are close. They phone me every minute of the day sometimes, or so it seems. And my grandchildren just think grandma is grandma rocks. Oh yeah, I have I have a friend, my mother's personal care attendant, who's been her best friend for like forty years. Um, she has three daughters. She has a million grandchildren, and her grandchildren are an extension of her. You know, they wouldn't know what to That's do without one. Her. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, my husband and I, like I say, we've been together a long, long, long time. Um, yeah. But he is a phenomenal dad and a phenomenal grandpa. They, he's Papa. I'm Grandma, but he's Papa. And yeah. you know, there's. This man, he's uh, like this. He, when we raised our kids, he refused to let anybody say negative things around them because he always said, you, you know, and this comes from personal experience. You can't raise a child to be, um, grow up with a complex because that's just how we worded yep. things back in the day. Like, don't make them feel uncomfortable about themselves. And, uh, and it's just, uh, yeah, he's an amazing man. But I see that my Skype is telling me I have. Very few minutes. It's not down to seconds left on my on my clock oh. here. Well, that kind of stinks. But um, I know. yeah, uh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Not your fault. Um, first of all, thank you. And I, and I just want to tell you, I understand what you were just telling me about. Even though it wasn't about Jesse, it's not about your life. You know, it's showing that a parent is able to move on while still investigating. And we've had so much going on um and that's part of the reason why i haven't why it took me a while to get back into my shows and stuff my father died um and before that we actually when we moved here oh gosh in 2006 so 15 years ago we were going to buy the house we were in 